Welcome to The Great Exchange, a podcast about examining the lies that we believe and exchanging them for God's truth. I'm your host, Brady Cohn, and joining me once again is Luke Wilbanks. Luke, last week we heard your testimony that's full of so much grace. We heard so many remarkable things, like I could talk about each one of those all day. You spent a couple of years in Alaska in the wilderness by yourself. You spent time in South America walking across the entire continent. You walked across Europe, like you've lived such a remarkable life. but what's the most remarkable is that you found satisfaction through Christ and he completely changed your life. And so I want to hear more about how you found satisfaction in Christ and how uh, that led you out of the sexual sin that you were enslaved to, how you found healing and hope. And we live in a time where it's like, we're already, when we know Christ, it's like, we're already justified and forgiven, but we still struggle and it, it, God doesn't just flip a switch and make these feelings, attractions, desires go away. And I talk about that so many times when it comes to same-sex attraction, but it's true with, uh, with all sin. is like God doesn't just flip a switch and make them go away. So how did you navigate that? We heard some about how you uh, started finding your satisfaction in Christ. And so I would love to hear more about what that looked for, like for you and how we can encourage others in that. Yeah, um, I think... I think God knows what he's doing, <laughs> right? I don't think we can come up with a better plan. And honestly, uh, from what I've experienced, I shared a little bit about the walk, right? And finding satisfaction, just his friendship, him showing up and feeding me daily. I remember laying in the road um, on Highway 70 across this country, like in Tennessee and Virginia and Oklahoma and Arkansas, and just laying in the, in the middle of the highway at night when no cars were around on my backpack in the freezing cold and just looking up at the stars at night and just knowing he was with me. Wow. Just every night, uh-huh. he's all I had, right? And so um, if, if, I, if I didn't have that separation from my life of just pursuing sin for satisfaction, um, I don't know if I would have been experienced mm-hmm. that and found mm-hmm. that satisfaction, but he knows me yeah. better than I know myself. So he knew where to take me. He knew what to show me yeah. and, and how to care for me along the way. But honestly, um, what, what really, really led to that, that heart change is all the power of his Holy Spirit and, and working through me, but it's, it's the local church, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's sad because the local church can damage people for life mm-hmm. or Absolutely. it can bring joy everlasting. Yeah, sometimes both. Both at the same time, yeah. right? It's like a juggling act. Uh-huh. And I think it's what, what I found by God's grace alone what I found and where I've been at for almost eight years now at Gospel Life is like that true friendship that satisfies. Mm-hmm. And I don't have it with everyone in the church. Like this mm-hmm. isn't like just blowing smoke. But the, the people that I have that friendship with, it feels like I'm in the middle of the road some yeah. nights while I'm talking with them, wow. laying, looking up the stars because it's Christ really working through them mm-hmm. to, to, to remind me who I am mm-hmm. in him, to remind me what he's done for me, mm-hmm. to remind me about, about who he is. And I have such, honestly, such amazing friends that I feel safe. Wow. I feel like sin can't get a hold of me and, I, and God gets all the glory, right? But it's because my friends love me so well and, and know me so well and have taken the time to get mm-hmm. to know me and hold my story mm-hmm. really safely that um, 
I feel safe confessing every sin all the time. Mm-hmm. And when that happens on a regular basis, because I'm sinning constantly, yeah. when I have that, that group of guys, especially in my life, nothing can take root for mm-hmm. too long, right? Mm-hmm. And believe me, I know myself, I'm a manipulator, like yeah. I, like I told you before, but it's so freeing. It's like that life I had as a uh-huh. child, running where I want to, feeling no baggage. Mm-hmm. Like that's the freedom I have spiritually right now, mm-hmm. but it's coming through my relationships within the local church yeah. of people just honestly um, caring for me the way that Christ would care for me. And you uh, t- had talked about as a child how you wanted to be deeply known and seen. And so it sounds like you experienced that in the body of Christ. Yeah. And one of the, I, I deal with a lot of guys who are dealing with sexual sin. And uh, sometimes it's sexual sin that a lot of guys can't relate to, same-sex attraction. And they, they feel like they can't be seen, they can't be known. And, uh, and it's this cycle of, feeling rejected by people and then that rejection leads to more desire for sin and so that desire for connection comes out in such unhealthy ways and they they fulfilled in such unhealthy ways and then uh, they feel more shame from that and that leads to even more desire to be seen and to be known and it's just this vicious vicious cycle and many times what I end up telling them as part of the picture is that you're are you're looking for a specific type of friend who can do something for you but are you being that friend are you are you providing that for other people and so how does what does that look like in the church how what does it look like to build that culture to be that friend when maybe that isn't already the culture of our church or any church around us or our community the people around us how do we start investing and building that culture of of holding the bearing really bearing with one another's souls and holding each other's stories and reminding each other who who we are in christ what what does that look like for you yeah i think that's only possible if you don't need the other person mm-hmm. right if i yeah. need you uh-huh. if i have expectations on you to fulfill yes. something in me that's not possible yeah it's not that's, possible that, that's that's really good and we we live in a culture where relationships whether it's in marriage or friendship are all about what can this person do for me and so i always push back on guys with this because they're told that well for you to walk with god you need these people to do this this and this for you and it's like no like you don't need them to do that that would be helpful and it might be life-giving to you but you have everything you need in christ totally and so if you're if you need certain things from these people then it means that your spiritual walk with god is dependent on sinners and your spiritual walk with God is not dependent on sinners. It's dependent on Christ. And you have everything you need in Christ. For sure. For sure. Yeah. It's uh, not having friends for so long. You, you are forced to be the, the hound, so mm-hmm. to speak, to go out and look for them. Mm-hmm. And no one's, no one's coming for you, right? Yeah. And I think like, it's led to me opening up a coffee shop below where I live. Like I live 15 feet above our heads right now. Uh-huh. And... Um, like everyone that walks through that door is a possible best friend, like everyone. And that's, that's not like just a, a cute little saying, like honestly, because I'm satisfied in Jesus now, mm-hmm. I don't need anything from those people walking through. I don't actually need their money. You know what I'm saying? I have a full-time yeah. job. I, I don't need anything. But honestly, whether it's you or anyone else throughout the week that walks through, um, I get to just extend myself mm-hmm. and be like, uh, let me fulfill maybe something in somebody's life yeah. that I didn't have. 
because I think that's what that's what because you have everything you need in Jesus therefore you can give of yourself and and that so much applies towards marriage but that applies towards life and so many relationships and I see you do that I come into your coffee shop and I hear your conversations with people and even you know when me and Mary were new in the community uh, I felt so safe here uh, and so you were one of the first people when we had a miscarriage, you were one of the first people I shared with and you're, cause you're, you're the barista at my coffee shop, but you're a safe person who gives life to others. And that's obvious that Jesus overflows from you and other people. Thanks. And man. so, so, uh, God is doing some great work there. What would you tell people about the process of working through shame? That's a aspect of your story that you had shared of this shame because of sexual sin and so much of our culture is living in shame. So many of our church people are sitting in church consumed with shame and they can't move on in life because they haven't dealt with uh, the their secrets. They haven't dealt with some of the things that they've done and they're just consumed with shame. And so what would you tell people who are listening, who have something in their life that they are feeling shame that they haven't been able to get over? Yeah, well, uh, I would have to, if, are you talking about Christians in general? Yeah. Yeah. Christians in general. So what shame does, shame doesn't say you've done something wrong. Shame tells you, you are wrong. Mm. That's what shame does. Guilt says you've done something wrong. Shame says you are, you are a wretch. You are unwanted. That's an identity Mm -hmm. that you put on. Right. And that's why you go in the closet and hide is because you believe this about yourself. It's an identity statement. And honestly, unless you can work through, and this is why it has to take somebody outside of you, because no one has lied to Luke more than Luke has lied to Luke. I love to tell myself how miserable I am, right? That's the natural voice. I I feel like shame is like, have you ever walked into a patch of blackberries picking them? Like, Mm -hmm. and you get wrapped up. And as long as you just stay there, it's comfortable. Yeah. But you're in blackberries. As, as soon as you move. As soon as you move, you're getting ripped up uh-huh. and torn and the, and your clothes are getting ripped off. And you know what I'm saying? You might lose mm-hmm. an eye, but you have to go through that process mm-hmm. to, to break free, free of it. Yeah. You're, We're to let Christ free you. Totally. We don't free ourselves. Totally. And so I think, and so to have people in your life, it might have to start with just you. If you're, if you're a Christian that doesn't have trustworthy people who know how to hold your story, I would say go pursue that. But um, it is really reminding yourself from God's word on a regular basis that God says you are the light of the world. God says that you are an ambassador of his word. God says you're a minister of reconciliation. God says you're a beloved son or daughter. That's what he says. Mm -hmm. And he gets to define you because he created you. Mm -hmm. You do not get to define yourself. But I keep trying to define myself by by my mistakes, my sins, and my failures. When God has said, I've taken the guilt and shame upon myself on the cross, right? And I've actually given you my identity. Mm-hmm. Now you're called son, beloved. And so the more you can work that out, and it, it, I, I think it has to come through others. We just don't believe ourselves, man, because mm-hmm. we're the ones who beat ourselves up. So I when I come with a good message, people speaking totally. When Luke tells Luke, oh man, you're the light of the world, I don't believe him. Because Luke's already said, you're darkness. Mm-hmm. nobody loves you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I just, I don't believe that voice. But man, when Josh or Chuck or, or these men in my life come in and remind me who I am in Christ, that I'm loved, mm-hmm. accepted, cherished, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That I'm the righteousness of God because Christ took all my sin upon us. That frees me from I am statements mm-hmm. of shame. Mm-hmm. 
and it, it sends me into the, the true I am identities that Christ has done for me. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Paul Tripp always talks about that no one speaks to us more than ourselves, but sometimes we're unaware of the, the voice inside of our head, and that's not a crazy person thing. We all have a voice inside of our head there that's just telling us something that is, uh, uh, and so many times it's, it's not true. And so we have to evaluate what is, what are we telling ourselves and let other people, let other people speak into that. Yeah, totally. One aspect of your story, story that you shared was that you kept going to people, telling them that you were dealing with sexual sin and, you know, they'd give you just easy answers, something about God's grace. Yeah. So we, we've spoken to the Christians who are living in shame. Uh, what would you have to say to the Christians and how they can respond to others when someone makes a confession of I'm dealing with sin, I'm addicted to pornography, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. How can we encourage them without just some cheap grace and easy one-line answers? How can we come along beside them and really uh, uh, carry their their souls with them? Yeah, um, I think that's perfectly stated. It is to carry them right? Bear mm -hmm. one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Mm -hmm. Well, porn addiction is a burden. Absolutely. It is a weight that you can't shake or you would have, right? And to come alongside and instead of just saying, you know, grace is grace, God will forgive it um, and give them the no help. I think this discipleship aspect that we're called to is everything. Like when it says go into all nations and teach them to observe everything I've commanded, that observation is like, come walk with me yeah like praying for you is easy mm -hmm. dude yep. super easy mm -hmm. i'm not saying don't do it we need mm -hmm. pray at all times right but just praying for you and washing my hands of it and moving on with my day that is a very self-centered way mm -hmm. of discipleship dude telling you to join our community mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying eat dinner at our house two days a week mm -hmm. when i when you put skin in the game so to speak where they are now walking in the light three to four days a week mm -hmm. instead of five minutes yeah. on a Saturday at the coffee shop. Yeah. Dude, that's when you start finding freedom. And, you know, we live in a culture that is so independent and we don't realize how that's affected our Christianity and our faith where it's not normal just to have meals together. And, uh, and it's like, no, like there's 21 meals in a week and we shouldn't be doing them all alone or with our family. That should be the normal is that there's just people around our table. Totally. And I don't think we realize as American Christians how Americanized our faith has become and just our everyday way of living. And when I was single, I always lived with a group of guys and I, I owned the house and they lived with me. And some people would say, oh, I could just never do that. And it's like, it's not that it's easy. It's not that uh, I like these guys using all my stuff because I own most of the stuff in the house. They're you know, noisy, they're loud, they sometimes annoying. It's like, man, like I need community. I need other people. And usually the, my friends who are like, you know, would live by themselves. Like, oh, I can never live with another person. Like, but you need to live with another person. You need to have people who are experiencing you at your worst where you rub against each other because that exposes what's going on in our hearts. And so really walk along beside each other. Uh, sometimes might mean letting someone live in your house. Uh, me and Mary, when we got married, uh, Within two months, we had someone living in our house. Uh, the first one was a 
drug addicted homeless lady, domestic abuse in a relationship with a transgender woman, very messy situation. Uh, and she lived there for a few months and then our youth pastor moved in uh, um, and he lived in our basement and people thought that that was so weird. It's like, no, but we want to be investing in other people. And I, I, I think one group of people we do a bad job of investing in is single people because married people, they have their spouse home, even though we need far community, far beyond our spouse, but single people oftentimes don't have a place in the church. It feels like, because we, we live these separate Americanized lives of it's me and my wife over here in our cute little house, you know, with big lawns and fences, and there's no place for life to just be lived together. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, the way we do it at our church, we call them gospel communities. And you are put into community. You don't get to choose. Mm -hmm. You're put into community with the people in your area. I so like that. So we have a yeah. single gal, a retired couple. Uh -huh. You know what I'm saying? They are all put together, and they're like, God brought you to, to yes. this church, and he has you where you live. You are doing life together. Yeah, and you're in close enough proximity to where you can do life together and serve one another and have this just spontaneous um, you know, meal time is expected. You can just walk in the door, and that's where some people, you know, will drive the twelve towns away to the perfect church that they feel like fits their needs perfectly. But they live an hour away from anyone who goes to that church, and so there's no life being lived. And so, if we're gonna walk in freedom, then we need that deep community around us. And so uh, sometimes it might be going to the imperfect church because they're all imperfect, but where there's people in proximity to you that you can you can live life with and starting to build into that culture and build into uh, the culture that we can have people into our homes and we're gonna have serious conversation about what's going on in your soul. Yeah. So we're trying to battle that even in a coffee shop, right? Mm -hmm. We live in a town where everyone gets Amazon boxes dropped at their house every day. We have five drive-through coffee shops, like yes. within a half mile, uh -huh. and we actually have a drive-through on this building. And we chose actually to cut it off, to force people inside, in to make face-to-face -face contact, so we can body read their languages, see where they're at, actually kind of get a sense and direction instead of a cold "thank you for the coffee" on my way to work. So mm -hmm. we know we're going to be out probably like two-thirds of of the money we could yeah. make, but uh -huh. for us, it's worth like like sacrificing that for the sake of community absolutely so even even the shop having most of the tables with six to eight chairs mm -hmm. and we open like during covid season mm -hmm. with six to eight chairs at every table like you will get to know your neighbor or mm -hmm. you can't hang out here yeah you know what I'm saying yeah. like this is where yeah. it's gonna happen and so. i love it i love coming in here and observing people and seeing how this has become a community hub where there's just people chit-chatting and connecting and bible studies and uh sometimes when it's really busy it's like yeah i have to sit down with uh, someone at a table, one of these long tables, and I don't mind that at all. But it's like you know, navigating that where it's like, man, like we're gonna we're gonna share space, and yeah. and in our culture, uh, that's not always cool with everyone. But we need that interaction, and it's become so easy to hide with Amazon and you know drive-throughs and working from home. Yeah. It's like there's some people who have so little interaction, and that's not the way that God meant us to live healthy, thriving lives. Totally. Yeah, a, a few people have lost loved ones in the last few months here, mm -hmm. just customers of ours. Mm -hmm. And they've even like said, it's not so much like even the, 
the prayers from like the employees or just the love received, just having the presence of other people mm -hmm. so that I can come sit in a room filled with life when death is all I'm experiencing right now wow. um, is actually a, a source of like comfort for them. And they, they, I know them, I love these people, but they come here, they get their coffee and they just sit and watch life. Mm -hmm. Because if they sit at home by themselves, mm -hmm. um, there's no life and that death is taking over their brain mm -hmm. and that depression. So it's, it's beautiful to see the community being life and light without even knowing it. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And so I know I aim to always have a home and uh and that gets more complicated when you now add a family into the mix where people are experiencing life and not sitting in death and i know when i'm by myself uh i can just do on things and things build up in your mind and you know sometimes i come home from a long trip and i'm just like tense by the time i get home oh, yeah. it's like i spent like 12 hours driving just stewing on things and letting my imagination take me places and that's not the way that God intended us to live life and to, to be healthy. And so I love what you're doing here at the coffee shop. And I love that you're building community and giving people a place to just sit with, with amongst others, even if they're strangers. Yeah, thanks, man. So. Thank you. Well, I think that wraps up for this episode of the Great Exchange Podcast. Thank you so much, Luke, for joining us. I love your wisdom. I love your experiences. I love your heart for people. And I know that our listeners will be blessed by that. I pray that you, as you guys go on with your week, you can examine the lies that you believe and exchange them for God's truth. One of those lies is that we can do life alone. I, I pray that those of you experiencing shame, experiencing loneliness, can take steps towards people, can take steps towards being known, towards uh, resting in God's grace, knowing that God defines you. Uh, you don't get to define yourself. God defines you. And he says that you are forgiven and you are loved. So rest in that grace and have a great week. Thank you. Mm -hmm.